Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page where you do get early access and exclusive content. Link will be down in the show notes. So here we are. We have made it through another somewhat eventful week in our 2020 news cycle that is just relentless and never-ending and is just not going to let up this whole year if this past week has been any kind of indication of what we can expect for the rest of the year. I am not ready for this mentally. But just to back up a little bit, um, the Richmond 2A rally that happened on this past Monday, I did a whole episode on that by itself, so if you want to hear that, that is the episode before this one. So just in case you were wondering why I wasn't talking about it this episode, it got its own episode. So moving on from that to Tuesday, impeachment proceedings officially started in the Senate. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've followed it a little bit on television. I haven't sat down and watched it like wall to wall because first and foremost, that was almost physically impossible. I mean, there were a couple of these nights where these hearings went on to the the AM hours. So as much as I love watching this stuff to bring you guys the news, I'm not watching impeachment proceedings until two o'clock in the morning. That I'm not doing. And the second reason why I've not been super invested in sitting down and digesting every little bit of content here is because there's Nothing really, as of right now, new to talk about. Because before the hearing started, um, along party lines, Republicans voted down subpoenaing any key witnesses or any documents at this time before opening statements. Whether that will change in the future, I don't know. I'm definitely not holding my breath. But at this point, we have no new information. And they also voted to not allow the chief justice to decide if, if at some point in the future, there are witnesses suggested that the chief justice cannot be the person to determine if a witness is a relevant witness or not. So if, if witnesses get called, it's going to be a total fucking shit show, basically. I'm like, but like I said, I'm not holding my breath. Um, There doesn't really seem to be any kind of push to get witnesses subpoenaed or for any Republicans to kind of switch over and support subpoenaing witnesses. So it's just been kind of kind of a disaster piece this week. Um, basically, if you were at all familiar with this process at all, anything that's come out of the House, if you're familiar with the House Intelligence Report, the House Judiciary Report, and the Republican rebuttals to both of those, then you already know what the opening statements were from the House impeachment managers and from White House counsel. So honestly, if you've been following this, you can skip all that because there's nothing there's nothing new there. It's just the House impeachment managers laying out the case that's already been laid out, like I said, in the intelligence and judiciary reports and the White House legal counsel just giving the same rebuttals that they've already given. You missed nothing. Aside from the fact that as of right now, there are not going to be any witnesses or any documents subpoenaed. I hope that changes, but I'm doubting it. What wasn't said and what I am still waiting on at some point, maybe the White House legal counsel will indulge me, is some kind of explanation 
as to why Ukrainian aid was held up and then released with no policy changes whatsoever and any kind of cogent explanation as to why they were held up in the first place, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for some kind of plausible scenario to come out of the White House that explains what the hell happened that at all refutes the Democrats' claim that this was done as a quid pro quo. I'm still waiting. And it's still not coming. And there's plenty of other people willing to testify that they understood this to be a quid pro quo. But, I mean, I I don't... I'm still... I'm waiting. Just going to sit here and wait for something that I know is never going to come. Because basically, all the White House team wants to do is basically straw man this and poke holes at this, that, or the other, but not actually offer a compelling counter-narrative as to why Trump was justified in doing this and why he did it in the first place and why the funds were released when they were released if they were indeed held up for the reasons that the White House came up with ex post facto, whether this was investigating corruption or what the fuck ever excuse, like, okay, well, nothing changed, so then why were the funds released? Like, if if you're going to put out that narrative, then I need a little more fleshing out of what the hell happened here. Especially since emails have come out between people in the White House and the Pentagon, people in OMB, basically being like, um, what the fuck, dude, you can't do this, that's not how this works. And then the Office of Government Accountability coming out and saying that, per our investigation, yes, this was a violation of the impoundment clause, that there was no legal justification for doing this. So, yeah, that was illegal. (laughs) I mean, just just a thing that you would think that if you had a legal team that was taking this seriously might address and come up with some kind of story or explanation to make all of this make sense from their perspective, but no, because there, it's just, oh my God, this is so ridiculous and it's sad and it's really kind of depressing. And moving on to the other sad, depressing thing that has come out of this, and that is the response from senators, especially Republican senators who have, and I mean, I, I know, I know, and I've discussed this plenty of times that Republicans have already made up their mind before this hearing even started. So there's that. But we have had instances of senators just straight up leaving, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to stay there while the hearing's going on. You've got senators leaving. You've got senators basically fucking around in the chamber. You've got people walking around. You've got people doing this, that, and the other. Basically, just showing that they are not at all taking this process seriously. And whatever you personally may think of this impeachment proceeding... Those are people who get paid damn near $180,000 a year to do that job. If you are getting paid that kind of money, sit in your chair, shut the fuck up, pretend like you're interested. I don't care what you got to do. That's your job. And you're getting paid a lot of money to do that job. So, I mean, if, if you don't want to do that job, you are free to go home and stay there for forever. But this is your job. At least pretend like you're taking it seriously, even though we know you're not. We know you've already made up your mind, but at least don't make a complete mockery of this, okay? Like, these people get paid a lot of money to do this job. And most of us go to work 
And we have to sit there and sit still and pretend to be interested for a hell of a lot less than $180,000 a year. So I'm pretty sure all the senators involved can at least pretend a little bit that they care about doing their damn job. Just a little bit. That's all I'm asking. Just, it's just, oh my God, like, what the fuck? Like, to the point where when when the impeachment hearings are going on, you're supposed to be, as a senator, you are, you're part of the jury. You're supposed to be sitting in your seat, paying attention to the presentations. You've got people on the fucking news. Like, you're you're clearly not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in your seat, not on Fox News. So, it's just ridiculous. And you've got... It's it's supposed to be that when you're in the impeachment hearing, you're not supposed to have any electronics on you, but there's been senators tweeting during the impeachment process, during the trial, which means obviously you have an electronic device on you. It's just, it's just so, you know, I'm, I'm so curious to see how, what, what kind of lasting effect this is going to have. And I don't mean on like the office of the presidency. I mean, I'm, I, I wish, I wish this would make people take the office of the presidency less seriously. We're getting the exact opposite effect. But I'm curious to see what the lasting effect of this is on people taking Congress seriously. Because this is just like, this is so fucking ridiculous. Like, I can't. I can't. And that's another reason why I've not watched a lot of this. It's like, I just, I can't with you people right now. But that's where we're at on impeachment um, White House Legal Counsel has started their opening statements. Um, not quite sure if they've wrapped up yet, but if not, it'll be early in the week. And then what happens from there? I don't know. Because like I said, they've already said that they're not subpoenaing witnesses and key documents. So I don't know. I, does it just go to a vote after that? Or do we have another vote about maybe getting witnesses and documents? Who knows? It's an adventure. We'll find out more next week. And probably still be disgusted by the process. But I want to move on from that to the story that I can't, I can't believe this is a story. Like I, I initially, when this first broke, I was just like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever, whip de dee But we're on like day four of this now. And this is just, I, I don't know what to say about this, but we'll start at the beginning um, Joe Rogan, in case you've been living under a rock, endorsed Bernie Sanders because he likes his consistency and thinks he's a cool dude. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Generally speaking, I don't care what Joe Rogan does. I'm not a huge fan. I, j- I can't do three hour long podcasts. Like if you want me to listen to anything longer than an hour and a half, I have to like either really, really, really like your content or have to like personally know and like somebody on the podcast. <laughs> Like, I I can't do these long episodes. I don't really care about most of the people that he interviews. So I'm just like, I don't, whatever. He's But he's extremely popular. He's got over 7 million subscribers. He gets hellacious numbers of downloads. So yeah, it's kind of a big deal for Joe Rogan to endorse Bernie Sanders, which, I mean, for what it's worth, he endorsed Gary Johnson back in 2016. So this is a bit of a flip-flop, I guess. But I mean, I I don't think that Joe Rogan has ever been the most intellectually rigorous person. I think that's kind of his appeal. But I mean, I, um, whatever, dude, I just, I, 
fuck it, uh, whatever. Okay, endorse the socialist. <laughs> Just please, dear God, don't let anybody ever refer to him as a libertarian or any kind of deep thinker ever again, because if you just endorse the socialist because you think he's fun and you like him and you like his consistency, even though he's been consistently fucking wrong, whatever, dude. Anyway, so this happens and progressives have proceeded to completely lose their shit over this. I kid you not, people. Like, I'm so old. I remember when the idea of a politician who was running, especially for federal office, going outside of his or her natural base to reach out to people who aren't necessarily already on your side or in your fold and trying to bring them in was a thing that you were expected to do. Like, that was just part of campaigning. But now, apparently... And people were kind of pissed off at Bernie Sanders for going on Joe Rogan in the first place. But now that Rogan has endorsed Bernie and then the Bernie camp put out, I guess, some kind of campaign clip featuring what Rogan said and his endorsement. Now, all of a sudden, Joe Rogan is bad man, a very, very bad man. And now Bernie Sanders is a very, very bad man for endorsing Rogan's endorsement of him. I, I, I'm not kidding, people. So I, it's, it, and it's like I said, I just thought this was going to be a thing that was just blow over, whatever. Nobody cares. We're on days of this news cycle and it, it keeps accelerating because now people have these long tweet threads about Joe Rogan and how he's, he's homophobic or transphobic or misogynist or a bigot. He's none of those things, honestly. Like I said, I'm not the hugest fan, but he's, he's a fucking normie. Like he, this dude ain't far right. He ain't alt right. He's fucking normie. <laughs> so to watch this this new reinvention of Joe Rogan from just guy with super 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 popular podcast into some kind of devil man and Bernie Sanders somehow being this awful person for accepting his endorsement has been absolutely nuts. And it seems like the one the one thing that everyone's kind of landing on is the transphobic thing, which seems to come from an interview he was doing with a transgendered woman who was fighting an MMA, which that's kind of Joe Rogan's thing. He covers MMA. That's kind of how he got his his second come up. Like, I remember when he was on Fear Factor, okay, because I'm freaking 38 years old. So, but that's how he kind of got his second come up. Like, he did Fear Factor, kind of went away for a while, and then MMA got big, and he was an announcer for MMA, and then he's got his podcast. Anyway, he's talking to this transgender woman who is fighting an MMA, and he's making the point that it's not fair, nor is it safe for somebody who is biologically a man to be fighting somebody who's biologically a woman in MMA, because MMA is fairly violent. Like there's, there's a lot of hitting and kicking and throwing people around. And obviously if you are a man, you are at a distinct advantage fighting against a woman in MMA. And he points out at some point, he basically says like, but you're a man. So that's what's been taken as him being transphobic. And it's not him being transphobic. It was him trying to address a concern that is a legitimate concern, which is the, the obvious physical advantage a transgendered woman would have in MMA fighting over a biological woman. 
I mean, and you can't really deny that that would exist. But so that's been turned into a whole thing. And apparently, I mean, he's he's said the N-word before on the podcast and other places. And he's made other references and stuff. But it's like, and, and there's, this kind of goes back to a thing. And I don't know if I really discussed it when I was talking about the Bernie and Liz situation where she point blank said that Bernie told me that a woman can't be elected president. There is this very weird anti-Bernie sentiment. And this also harkens back to like 2015, 2016, when he got kind of screwed over the first time. And it seems like there are people who are trying to do it again because he is polling very well. Like he's either first or second, depending on which poll you're looking at. And he has overtaken Warren. And so now there seems to be this concerted campaign to try to cancel Bernie. Like, I I saw an article the other day about somebody bringing up something he said, like, 30 years ago. Like, who gives a fuck? He's old. He's old, and he's been around a long time, and he said some shit 30 years ago. And it it was dumb. Something stupid. Like, I don't even remember what it was. I'm like, if you want to slam this man for something he did ages ago, um, let's go back to where he apologized for the Soviet Union. Let's go back to where he's openly a socialist. Like, he used the word to describe himself a socialist. Let, let's talk about that. Let's not talk about some random stuff that he may or may not have said or that, oh, this, this popular guy endorsed him and we're now we're not cool with the popular guy. So now all, all of a sudden this is Bernie's problem. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I'm still not quite sure why Bernie decided to run again after what happened to him in 2016. I mean, I would have told the DNC to go kick fucking rocks. Like, fuck you. I'm not doing this again. I'm not saving y'all's asses. Screw you. You you, you, you screwed me over for Hillary. Y'all can have this. This is all you. I'm not even technically a part of your party. So don't ask me to come save your ass again. But here he is. And here we are. And it's just, it's so weird. It's so weird. And it's just, it reminds me of last year, I forget exactly when, but Bernie Sanders went on a Fox News town hall and took a whole bunch of shit for that, especially when Elizabeth Warren was invited to that same town hall and she said, well, I'm not going to go on Fox News because they platform hate. And I I remember making the point when I was covering it back then that to me, Bernie seems to be the only person in this who's really in it to win it. Like he's the only person who's campaigning in a way that even remotely makes sense to me. And that is going back to that idea that you reach outside of your natural base to try to bring people in and to try to recruit voters. And Bernie seems to have identified something that I have been pointing out as far as a thing that libertarians can do. And this is a thing that Bernie is actually doing is recognizing there's a whole bunch of independents out there and undecided voters that are up for grabs and he's grabbing them. Like I I can't, I can't knock his campaign strategy here. Like this is exactly what I would be advising a candidate to do. If I were a campaign strategist, I'd be like, go after those undecided, go to the people who aren't sold on you and sell them on you get those endorsements, get in front of those people. And for what it's worth, on the Reddit forums, um, ever since Rogan endorsed Bernie, now there's a bunch of Rogan listeners who are like, well, I'm going to vote for Bernie now too. So 
yeah, that's like Bernie is campaigning the way you're supposed to campaign if you are genuinely serious about winning a, a nationwide election. And people are giving him shit for it because uh, now now you've got the purity test thing. And I'm just like, listen, progressives, come take a knee. Come talk to the libertarians. Let us tell you what happens when you play the purity test game. It does not end well. It does not end with you winning elections. It ends with you marginalizing yourselves and being a fringe and affecting no change whatsoever. So, I mean, it. but they seem to be determined to make that mistake. That because somebody who isn't ideologically pure endorsed Bernie Sanders, all of a sudden this is a problem. And I'm like, y'all are dumb. Y'all are dumb and you don't want to win nothing. And I've made this argument to libertarians too on this podcast that... Yeah, if you want to grow the base, if you want to grow your movement, you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to talk to people who don't necessarily agree with you off the rip and you're going to have to find a way to sell yourself to them and to sell your movement to them if you want this to grow. Bernie gets that. I don't think any other candidate on that Democratic stage gets that. And that's why I'm really beginning to lean towards the idea that Bernie might might actually win this nomination. I'm sure the DNC will figure out a way to screw him out of it and give it to Biden because of electability issues. But again, it's like I... He's the only person I think that's campaigning in any kind of serious fashion as far as actually building a nationwide coalition of people who will vote for him. And that that has an actual honest-to-God chance of winning the nomination. So anyway that happened and that's just like if this is what 2020 is going to be like i'm not ready i am not mentally ready for this like we are at this point 26 days into 2020 and i'm already exhausted by this year we've not even made it through the first month and just the amount of bullshit that has happened in the past 26 days is just like i we've still got a whole year left oh my god we still have 11 and a half months. Like, this is just, oh, it's, it's going to get worse. And the closer we get to November, the worse it's going to get. And just the louder and more shrill and more ridiculous. I mean, and especially leading up to the actual conventions. That's, uh, I, I don't even want to know what the Democratic National Convention is going to look like this year. <laughs> oh, my God, that's going to be such a disaster. Anyway, um, before I finish this up... um. I want to touch back on a story that's kind of fallen out of the news cycle, which is nuts to me, but it's kind of coming back here. And that is going back to the Iranian missile strike. Now, in the last weekly roundup, I told you guys that we had gone from zero injuries to 16 injuries, and those injuries consisting of traumatic brain injuries. Well, we have now, from then to now, gone from 16 to 34. So... What was initially reported as zero American injuries because there weren't any Americans there because allegedly they were already like got out of there before the missile strike. Now we're up to 34 U.S. injuries, some of them involving traumatic brain injuries. So what the hell, man? What? 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 What is this? I'm I'm very curious as to where the hell this story is going because I'm just like, 
what who what this this injury count keeps creeping up in a way that's making me side eye this whole thing and it's making me wonder like okay like last week I was willing to say like okay maybe maybe there was just miscommunication maybe Trump didn't know when he said that there was no injuries maybe he wasn't completely apprised of the situation on the ground but that's back when it was 16 people now we're up to 34 is this number going to keep climbing like, are we, are we going to get to 50 injured? Are we going to get to 100 injured? And if so, what does that mean looking back at the missile strike? And if we had this information, say, 12 hours after the strike, would that have changed what happened? Would that have changed the U.S. response? I don't know. I'm I'm very happy that we're not currently in some kind of hot war with Iran, but the more this injury count kind of ratches up and the more discussion there is of what kind of injuries we're talking about, I'm I'm really wondering what the response is going to be now looking back on that and saying, okay, maybe we should have done something differently. And then maybe thinking, okay, maybe this information wasn't made available to the public at large or even the president to ensure that something didn't happen. Like this, this whole story is just weird and curious to me. And there, now we're starting to have discussions um, on, on a couple of Sunday shows. They're talking about traumatic brain injuries and what exactly these injuries are, how serious are they. But I think this is a conversation that's going to start ramping up going into the next couple of weeks, especially if that injury count does start creeping up again. I I think there's going to be a lot of people asking a lot of questions about how exactly this whole situation was handled, which I still want a discussion about how this whole situation was handled. I still want Congress to have a discussion of whether Trump was within his rights to unilaterally, without congressional approval, order the killing of Soleimani. Like, I still want this conversation. Like, and if this is something that was authorized by the 2002 AUMF, then it's really, really past time to sunset that because there is no way on God's green earth when they passed that AUMF in 2002 that they ever think that in, 2000, in 2020 it would be used to, to authorize the killing of an Iranian official in Iraq. Like, that would not have been part of the AUMF. So, it's still a conversation that I'd like to have, and I wish Congress would have. Maybe at some point they will. I'm doubting it. But, yeah, I I just wanted to apprise you guys of that, because like I said, I touched on it last week, and I wanted to bring up the fact that, yes, that injury count has crept up and may still creep up more. And what's going to happen? So, at this point... I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So as always, if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.